4759 the fan band and his friend gunning I'm, I'm learning a lot about this time of day mm. and earlier a lot of you are on the road in the four o'clock hour yeah it's like i thought it would be a barren wasteland out there no there's a whole like bustling who society out there who do you think we're talking to no ben? i know yeah there's at six o'clock certainly there are people on the roads but at quarter to five there are people on the roads yeah, there are, certainly. Yeah, and, well, uh there's me. There's you, there's me, and at least a lot of other cars, because I saw it too. It, all, it does, it does like, getting used to it, you know, I did a lot of this in the summer, so maybe it's like I'm, I'm re-remembering how I felt about it all. But yeah, you're right, it is a little jarring of, you know, I'm... I'm going to work. I yeah. got to take hold of the mic. I need my pulpit that I have to tend to. Right. What are the rest of you doing out yeah. here? Probably, Probably important more, things. Yeah, I was going to say, much more well, important to the fabric of society. A lot of, again, just based on texts I've got in the summer, because I have thrown out, like, what are you all doing out there? What are you all grinding? A lot of people with just jobs I personally would not want to do. A lot of just, like, grinding and there's a guy telling us he had to, like, mop up a wet pit a dirty wet pit construction <laughs> everybody out here uh, who's on the road has a rougher day than i i think safe mopping to say. up a dirty wet pit yeah he also threw a, a cuss in there which really made me oh, laugh but okay. i clean it up you know for- i i feel like you know you describe a pit is like th- that's okay to be dirty like if you're if one place is going to be dirty it is a pit but what about wet yeah, yeah, it feels like the mopping, though, is maybe contributing to the wetness. It's really fair. I don't That's know. A great point. I'm breaking it down a little it's too good. much. No, I like it. All right. Uh, it is Thursday, which means it's a Toronto Maple Leaf game day, and it's been 160 days since Nick Cousins scored uh, 15 oh, minutes in I thought the you were overtime. Gonna say, I thought you were going to say since the Leafs played. No more this many days off. It's, it's too many. Lot. Okay, you don't have to wait that much for the next game. I know. It's Saturday. But, yeah, it was, uh, it was 160 days ago that Nick Cousins – Scored in overtime in game five against Joseph Wall. And then Radko Gudis decided that was a good opportunity, as is his want, to scream in Joseph Wall's face. And uh, this is the first meeting between these two teams since then. Uh, want a refresher on how that five-game series went down? Maybe you don't. But I, do, I do not. So, so what? I'm going to give it to you anyway. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, good friend. Sergei Mabrowski allowing only 10 goals over the five games. 943 save percentage for him. Austin Matthews, a grand total of zero goals mm-hmm. in the series, despite having a series-high 26 shots on goal. Nobody had uh, more shots than mm-hmm. that in the entire series. And, uh, of course, Sam Bennett suplexing <laughs> Matthew Nyes in Game 2, concussed him. He, mm-hmm. he missed the rest of the series. According to Nyes, he would have been back for a Game 6 if there was one. No Bennett tonight, though. Lower body injury he suffered during the preseason. So... The question, I'm going to start this conversation off, and there's new lines mm-hmm. and, and some really interesting conversations that, that feed off of that. But, like, headed into this first matchup between these two teams since Game 5 a season ago, is there, I get a level of revenge on, on the mind of some of these Leaf players? And the most notable guy that would enact some revenge was not on the Toronto Maple Leafs last season. That's Ryan Reeves. Yeah, I mean, Bennett not being in the lineup, that kind of, in my opinion, and Gudis not being there takes the sting out of it. Not to say that Ryan Reeves won't find somebody to yell at. I'm sure he will find a willing, well, not willing, but a a capable target for for him to to mix it up with or get in their face or however you want to look at it. I'm sure Matthew Kachuk and him will be screaming at each other at some point in time, even if it's just on the benches because, you know, I love Ryan Reeves, but I do not want him on the ice with Matthew Kachuk 
quarterbacks out there. That is not how I would, I would set things up. I just do want to go back to what you said for a second there about the save percentage specifically for going to give a reminder. And uh, boy, it's it has not left my mind uh, much since, but it must be said, the save percentage does not tell the story. That was not a case of the Leafs getting goalied left, right, and center. I mean, we there all were came, moments. There were moments for sure, but there were also moments like the start of the second period where you give up two goals in game two, I think it was there. And that that was kind of the whole tale of the series. So I don't want to take complete credit away from Bobrovsky. Obviously, he was good in that series, but I think people see 943 and they maybe want to do the revisionist history or forgetting how it went of, oh, they got goalied. We've seen this movie before. Moments of it, but not the whole story. I think that this is a, it's not about last year. It's not about the team that beat you in the playoffs. It's about, making it known who you are in this division. And maybe depending on the way things shake out in this division, it's more important to have games like that against Buffalo, against games like Ottawa. But this is the team that went the farthest last year. They're the first one you're going to play in your division. Well, I guess played Montreal, but it's like that doesn't even really matter this year. So take care of business. That's what it's about. It's not about revenge from last year to me. It's about kind of stating who you are in this division. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned Ottawa and well, and Detroit with a victory yeah. yesterday. Both of those teams have knocked off Tampa early mm-hmm. on this season. The Leafs have Tampa, of course, on Saturday. You're right. It's about asserting themselves as uh, the team that we expected them to be, which is at the very tippy top of the Atlantic division. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've had a formidable offense so far this season. Yeah, it's also about like looking a little bit more responsible defensively, capable mm-hmm. defensively not relying on the goaltenders as as much as they've seemingly needed to do over the first three games. Um, Should we talk about the line combinations, Brent? Because that's that's part of the discussion, I think, when we're talking about how this team is going to play in its own end. So here's the new look couple of lines. Fourth line remains the same. Mm -hmm. Um, And the top line remains the same, despite the fact that Tyler Bertuzzi took the day off yesterday. Maintenance. How do you feel about maintenance day after three games to start the season? A uh, little odd. Don't love. I would also say that I think that I have no reporting on this, but just based on what my eyes tell me, he's a Florida man, and yeah. they just wanted to let him do whatever it is he needs to Florida do down man. there. Just, hey, R- Rasslin Gators. Go, go Florida man it up. Gator <laughs> farm, Rasslin, python hunting, whatever, whatever it is, riding a golf cart to a liquor store, whatever it is. <laughs> You want to do down in Florida, but have it not fishing and posting a picture of it on the internet. Anything other than that, go Florida man it up. So yeah, a little odd that it's a maintenance day this early. If I, if it was anybody other than Gregor in that spot, Mm -hmm. I would have got a little tinfoil hattie that they wanted to try it out without making it seem like they were demoting him or shaking that lineup. Yeah, the guy who was on a PTO, probably not going to play alongside Matthews and Marner. If it was Nyes or Domi, I would get tinfoil hattie there, but it's not. So yeah, nothing to read into there. Uh, Don't love it. And especially for a player who, you know, we all like him. The physicality is part of his game. He's banged up a fair amount, so you don't love that either if it's a maintenance day this this early in the season. Don't want to press a panic alarm, but no. my, my eye's a little askew at it. Yeah, it, it, it's fine. Sure. But it is. It's, it's early on in the season. All right, so here's the new look. A uh, couple of lines here. Uh, line two and line three. Nye, uh, line two uh, has uh, Matthew Nyes jumping up uh, alongside John Tavares and William Nylander, which means that it is Fraser Minton... Uh, flanked by Callie Yarncroke and Max Domi. 
on a, li- a line that is, I, I guess, got a couple of defensively responsible players in Yarncroft and, and and Minton, and now has Max Domi, who has uh, has not got a ton of ice time. Uh, neither is Matthew Nyes, and I think that's the mm-hmm. biggest impetus for this change. He's uh, Nyes has averaged the fourth fewest minutes per game on this Leafs team, and now he's getting an opportunity to to play in in the the top six. Max Domi has only averaged five seconds more than Nyes per mm-hmm. game. His role is already getting reduced. He's now on a line that, I mean, we're getting closer to punt line territory. He's not a, a guy necessarily that you think of when you talk about a line that wants to go out there for 30 to 50 seconds and make sure they don't get scored against. But these are the pieces this Leafs team has, and I guess they're going to try and make it work. Yeah, the the Max Domi fit, it's been the one I've been most curious about. And again, not to say that he can't be useful for this team, not to say there's not a utility for the player, but he is, you know, on a team where we talk about Nick Robertson and obviously Max Domi and Nick Robertson in terms of what they've done are a world apart right now. But the problem with Robertson is, ah, there's kind of only one place you can put him. And with Domi so far this year, has there been any place you can put him? And that's not entirely on the player. He hasn't been a different player this year than I think what, anybody has expected in terms of coming in maybe you would have liked a little more offensive flourish but I don't think he's looked bad in in that regard the interesting thing about this to me is that they do it on the road I understand you have what's ahead of you you're not going to just sit there and go okay well I guess we'll wait until the eighth game of the season to put Matthew Nyes in a position to succeed but I mean you now have two lines you want to protect out there because you definitely want to have Domi Yarncroak and and Minton in offensive zone starts and you're going to want to do the same with Tavares Nyes and Willie and you want to do the same with the fourth line oh yeah them too yeah <laughs> which is centered by your best defensive centerman, mm-hmm. a guy that took a ton of defensive zone draws yep. a season ago. And say what you will about the ultimate value of David Camp. They, they re-signed him to a deal, and, mm-hmm. and he was expected to play that role again this Important season. player for the team. He's not taking defensive draws this season. It hasn't happened. Yeah. You know why? Because he plays on a line with Ryan Reeves and, to a lesser extent, Noah Gregor. But, yeah, the Ryan Reeves of it all, and we've spent lots of time mm-hmm. talking about the positive attributes of, of Ryan Reeves. I don't think anybody's going to get it twisted and think that any either of us is advocating uh, for Ryan Reeves uh, uh, being a guy that tilts the ice in the Leafs' favor when he's on the ice as far as goals for and against. And the proof is in the pudding and how many times he's mm-hmm. been on the ice in limited time overall and how many times he's looking behind him in the pucks in the Leafs net. David Camp has utility on this team, not when he's doing what he's doing right now, which is doing his best to keep the puck out of his own net on this fourth line that's playing like eight minutes a game. That's another part of this, right? Yep. Do I I want a more capable third line for this Leafs team? Sure. Would I I like it to, to be possible that a goal... Uh, emerges out of that third line? I sure would. Do I Do I necessarily want uh, Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews playing 25 minutes a game? Eh, probably not. Like, well, it, not this time of year. No. Maybe building to that, and certainly in the postseason, mm-hmm. that's what I want. But it's a long, long season. And yeah, winning the Atlantic is, is a goal, but it's to get through the season healthy and be at your absolute best for game 83. I don't know if the things that I want are being accomplished right now. It's early, and mm-hmm. and, and it, it raises the larger question, Brent. The regular season, how much of it should be built towards winning 
each and every game and winning the Atlantic division and looking at your best and how much of it should be research and development. And even though you, you might think it's not the best way to deploy your players to win the hockey game, but you got to get a look at something. I think that this team is talented enough that to a certain extent, they can walk and chew gum at the same time. I think that to a certain extent, you can experiment well taking care of your business. The power play alone is if, if it continues to look how it has looked at times through this year is going to win them 15 to 20 games this year. It really feels that way. Okay. Guess what? Mitch Barner feels like he's good for two or three on any given night. William Nylander. Okay. Now we're, we're all of a sudden you're at 40 wins before we've just talked about the structure of the team. Right. Okay. And maybe I'm overstating things, but I do think that there is just such a, a bulk of talent on this team that you should be able to do that. Honestly, in the way I look at it is I think you want to experiment a fair amount early on until you hit on a handful of things that work. Then I think you want to get a track record of that to make sure it works and to give your team some momentum. Now, this has been the hard part for Sheldon Keefe to let that, let that ferment, let it build. Then this is the third step and we might not even get there because the second step can be hard to accomplish. Once you have found, okay, these are my best four forward lines. Maybe there are some combinations I like a little better, but one through 12, this sets everybody up in the best spot. Then I think you can start to, all right, we know what's the best version. Let's experiment a little more. Let's find some things. So I think this time of the season is all about mixing and matching and finding what works. Once you see some level of clicking chemistry for the bulk of the forward lines, then I'd like to see them stick with it. So I think that's the way I personally think Keith should, should balance that. What have we said about the, the way this Leafs team has been constructed over the years and, and what it's been lacking, at least what have I said? Oh, it's going to say a lot of people too small. Yeah. But that plays into it. Lack of identity. Mm -hmm. Like what is the identity of, this third line. I think we know what the identity of the fourth line is supposed to be. It's like Ryan Reeves running over people and, and maybe Gregor being fast, can't yeah. be irresponsible. That's that's it. Doesn't it, it not make sense yep. when you say it that way. Sure. Uh but I think we underrate like the the value of David Camp. Again, lined up for the most defensive draws totally. on this Leafs team a season ago. Now the fewest mm -hmm. on this Leafs team. And uh, yeah, you're not going to deploy that fourth line just, in the defensive zone. Just quickly on that, I do think with the camp thing in terms of him taking the fewer amount of defensive zone draws, I do wonder, and you know, we could dive in. There's probably a, some small sample size of numbers we could look at on this. They haven't been protecting a lot of leads late, right? Montreal, they charge back. We saw the Chicago game went. Uh, Minnesota was a little bit different there. I do think that if it's a Leafs are up 3-1 scenario, you see a lot of uh, Camp, Yarncroc, yeah, and Nyes. Of, all right, it. go figure this out. Because no, Keith will true. do a lot of that. So that's the, the one thing about Camp. I am with you. They need to find more utility for him because he has it. He has proven it to this team. But they haven't been in that exact situation where well, we see the most of him in that spot. Well, to the point is how... Uh, as unsexy as it is with him centering a third line on, on this team and it being a punt line, at least that's an identity. What, what is the identity of, of Yarncroak, Minton, and, and Domi? So it, it, it is not ready to be this yet, but if I'm going to put myself in Sheldon Keefe's shoes, up, why does that work? Yeah. Yarncroak and Minton, who, you know, obviously, Yarncroak, it's the consistency. With Minton, he's just a young player the best version of themselves just give you a good, honest, 
hard shift. You can quibble about what Fraser Minton has been able to do, but it is not a lack of responsibility. It is not a cheating the game type thing. You never get that out of Bjarncroft as well. And Bjarncroft, again, he sometimes we overstate it, 20-ish goal man. The idea of you can have two responsible players that are heavy on the puck in Bjarncroft and Minton, and then Domi is the guy who can set them up and be the little bit more of a rover on that line. I don't think it's going to work, but when they put it together, that is the blueprint for it right there. I mean, what's next for Max Domi if this doesn't well, work? Well, honestly, do you, I've been, it's funny. I have a buddy who has been banging the drum for Domi, uh, the Leafs to go after Domi for, I think, since he was born. I don't even know that we th- knew he was going to be in the NHL. That's how long he's wanted. Yeah, well, yeah, I looked at Ty Domi. He's like, if this guy ever has a kid, yeah. he better play for the Leafs. Yeah, I don't think he thought it would look like this, though. I don't, <laughs> yeah. a little different. <laughs> I mean, maybe physically, he does yes. look a lot like that. You're right, he does. But honestly, when I think what the best spot for Max Domi is and also setting everyone else up for success, and he doesn't deserve this because he hasn't set the world on fire, and I quite honestly think this should be a reward, it's riding shotgun with Matthews and Marner. That, that, that is not the best person for that job. That, the best person for that job is Bertuzzi or Nice. I firmly believe that in my heart of hearts. Honestly, I'd rather Yarncroc there than Domi if I'm just talking about what works well for that spot. I want a guy who's more of a worker. But then all of a sudden, you can have Nyes with Tavares and Willie. You can put Bertuzzi with Minton. And then all of a sudden, you have a little bit more of a kind of heavy. And Yarncroft, all of a bit, all of a sudden, a bit heavier kind of third line there. I don't like the idea of rewarding Domi in that way. Mm. And quite frankly, I don't like the idea of it not being a heavy, bigger player on that line. Because we've seen time and time again, not necessarily the bigger part of it, but it's time and it's bunting. We've seen the type that works there. And I don't know that Domi's that type of guy. But if you're just kind of stacking the puzzle pieces together, does that not kind of make the most sense of Domi up top with those two? And then, you know, I'll, I'll hear the argument about 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 where where I should go there but and Bertuzzi. But honestly, I think that's what makes the most sense. No, you're absolutely right. I hate it. I want to be clear. I do not like this, but I think I'm right. Yeah. Um, this is a player, it's on a one-year deal, but making three million bucks, mm-hmm. right? So, like, the, the idea that you continue to diminish him, that you continue to knock down his, his minute Yeah, they could, have, they could have found someone to just skate around on a third line for less than three million. That's it, right? Yeah, there's the, there's there's no you're, he's not playing on the fourth line, right? No, like, no, no, no. And, well, and, unless he becomes Ty, which yeah. ain't happening. <laughs> well, honestly, if we have these conversations uh, for another three weeks, he's punching someone in the face. Yeah, it's it's obviously as I'm I'm inferring here. I I I think if you gave Sheldon Keith the old sodium pentothal, he would say, yeah, Max Domi wouldn't have been my choice mm-hmm. as far as an off season acquisition. But if you're going to have a Max Domi, which they are, and again, just a couple of months ago, went out and signed him to a one-year deal worth $3 bucks. I think you're absolutely right. And we saw it on, on the second line. We saw him in a top six role. And boy, on, on a team with defensive liabilities, but with two spectacular offensive players and one guy who's playing out of his mind through uh, three games. But both guys, I think, have six points, actually, through mm-hmm. the first three games. Matthews, Nylander, and Tavares all with six points. That that Domi couldn't find his way offensively with that line either. I know it's a it's a, like a, it's, it's counterintuitive mm-hmm. to think about throwing him up on the top line, especially I, I do. I've liked some of the returns we've gotten out of Bertuzzi on that top line as well. But 
yeah, where the hell else are you going to play him? Because because mm-hmm. third line with a, a couple of guys that are not going to complement his offensive game it doesn't make a ton of sense. No, and then we've seen the the Willie and, and JT thing. And the one thing, the, the the other thing I'll add about Domi is, and you know, maybe we were maybe we wanted to see it, so we saw it in the first game, and we're so quick to rush to it. But the idea of you know Bertuzzi adds a lot of utility in terms of what he is as a player, but we also talked about what he could potentially bring out of Matthews, you know, Bunting was a yapper. He wasn't quite getting in there as much. Zach Hyman just works hard. You know, it's not that he wouldn't play hard, but he's not going to go jumping in a scrum first man in. Domi will give you some of that as well. I mean, you see the hacks and the wax and the slashes uh, around the net. So if you're not worried, but if part of the belief you had of putting Bertuzzi there was not just what he was as a player, but the attitude that he could potentially bring out of, I mean, both those guys, but obviously we're more talking about Matthews. Domi can do that, do yep. that as well. Yeah, we, we've seen that at times this season. Little hacks and wax. Love yeah. it. <laughs> uh, the defensive pairings are, are what we uh, saw at the end of uh, the Chicago game as well. Is that, all right, Jake McCabe going to have a go of it uh, with Timothy Lilligren, uh Geo with uh, John Klingberg. Uh, th- this is a, a, a big opportunity for, for Lilligren, mm-hmm. uh, I think, to be the, the stabilizing force for Jake McCabe, who's had a rough go of it for the first three games of the season. Yeah. It's interesting pairing them together because I think that, and correct me if I'm wrong. I I think you'd agree with me here that those are the two most obvious places for the Leafs defense to have internal improvement. Mm -hmm. There's a better version of Jake McCabe there. I'm not saying it's going to for sure come to fruition, but if the decision-making gets a little better and Hey, that's a big, if it's a massive, massive part of the game is making decisions and reading it. But if that, gets better and I'm not talking by you know tenfold it's just if it improves a little you get a better player there and obviously I mean how many years are we going to do the Lilligren leap thing I guess as many as we did with Sandy and so it'll be traded in two is kind of the way I think I think the math works there so it's interesting to me that you know we talk about the forward group and it's okay moving the problems around you put them together and say all right figure it out the two of you and not that Lilligren's been a problem but he hasn't asserted him I mean you know this was a guy who and you know I know draft pedigree this late into a guy's career is a little odd but first round pick but not just first round pick no he was expected to to be a super stud in that draft and he got mono and hey maybe it wasn't just mono and that's why he fell to the Leafs Mm -hmm. totally fair but there's some pedigree there it's a first round pick it's not to say he has to become a top 4d or he's a bust or it was a terrible selection but that's what those guys are supposed to become we uh, and, you know, Gord, uh, who we have on all the time, loves to dump on it for selecting Freddie Goche. You don't pick a guy in the first round thinking, oh, it'll be great in the bottom six. You'll be great in your bottom pair. No, you pick a guy in the first round because you want him to be a difference maker. So, yeah, it's interesting there. Uh, the Geo Klingberg pair, that, that I mean... God love Gio. He's trying out there, but it's almost good that he's as immobile as he is because he has no choice but to hang back and let Klingberg do do what he does. And then, I mean, we've talked Riley Brody ad nauseum. Uh, Speaking of first-round pedigree, Ilya Samsonov gets the start uh, tonight in the first game of this five-game road trip. Again, season-high five-game road trip, first road trip of the season uh, after a couple of – that's a great – Couple of games and and Joe Wall was was better statistically despite the fact that he was in net for the only loss. Mm-hmm. People um, did not like me calling him the hot hand after a loss. Just <laughs> maybe it's struck hotter, non cold. He's yes, just the non cold. He's like lukewarm. He, has a, he yeah. has a mitt on, but yeah. it's still minus thirty. I think is probably the way to put it. Uh, we'll come back around to the Leafs uh, at uh, seven o'clock with a couple of interesting notes out of uh, Elliot Friedman's thirty-two thoughts article on Sportsnet.ca. But Blue Jays. Mm back in the news in a positive sense yesterday on a couple of different uh, aspects. The first one was, and this isn't a surprise, 
boy, it better end up positively because this was this team's identity. Five Blue Jays nominated for gold gloves. Uh, left fielder Dalton Varsho, center fielder. Ah, Kevin they Kiermaier. won the trade. They won the trade. <laughs> center fielder Kevin Kiermeyer. Uh, starting pitcher, Jose Barrios. Catcher, Alejandro Kirk. And third baseman, Matt Chapman. I would evaluate their chances of winning. As, like, Varsho should probably win in left field. Okay. Kiermaier in center field. Sure. Uh, Barrios, yeah. Uh, and and Kirk is probably an underdog. But, yeah, it's... it's. I mean, you look at the, defend, at the defensive numbers for Kirk this season. They were spectacular. I do think Matt Chapman is kind of regressing as a defender at third base. Yeah, there was the there was the weird finger injury late in the season. He was having yeah. a he was having a lesser than his normal standard season as is, and then that happened. Yeah. He really didn't seem right afterwards. What, did but, he jam it on a weight or something like that? Yes, he dropped a weight on his finger. So, so you get, don't yeah, lift weights. That's 100% the lesson to be taken from For that. For sure. Um, yeah, like I said, this is a team that underwhelmed in so many aspects of the game. Only won 89 games, barely got into the playoffs, scored one run in a two-game series wildcard uh, series, watched the the massive piece of their future trade uh, in, in trade depart mm -hmm. the previous offseason and go deeper in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. In an attempt to boost their defense, they better come out of this thing with a bunch of gold gloves. My God, this is their World <laughs> Series. Like, thinking ahead to when they unveil the winners of the Gold Glove Awards, if it's not at least three Toronto Blue Jays, I mean, it's already an unqualified, yes. not disaster, but failure this season. You can't get at least a couple of individual gold glove awards out of this thing. What did you do? Yeah, and it really, you know, it really does inform the decision to take Barrios out of that game. I mean, you <laughs> want your best defense on there late in the game. They took out a potential gold glove winner there. Honestly, it's the more we talk about this team and everything that happened, they did exactly what they said they were going to do. Yeah. It's, have you ever seen the old movie Bewitched? Uh, Elizabeth Hurley, Brendan Fraser. You ever seen this? She's the devil. No, that's like, Bedazzled. Bedazzled, not... yes. Okay. Bewitched old TV it's, sitcom. Yeah. yeah. Okay. For, forgive me. Okay. But you know the movie I'm talking about yeah. where you have to be very particular with your wishes. You can't, like, he's right. like, I want to be an NBA player. Yeah. And then there's something bad that happens to him as, as part of that. Right, there's a million... monkey paw. Yeah. It's the, right. is the, the other. But you got to be very careful with the mm -hmm. wish. And they forgot to say we'd yeah. also like to score some runs. Yeah. They're like, we're going to trade, we're going to trade the top prospect in baseball for a gold glove caliber left fielder who yeah. can also play some other positions. Yeah. We're going to be a way better defensive team. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to have a good pitching staff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Could you add a part about hitting in there? That's the problem. They just, no. that is the most frustrating part about this. Well, yeah. no, the most frustrating part about this is they took Jose Barrio. No, the most frustrating part about this is Vlad getting picked off at second. That's still the most frustrating part about this, but it's that they did exactly the vision for the team they said they were going to do. I just don't think anybody thought the offense would evaporate off the face of the earth the way that it did. Yeah, and I guess whether or not they win the gold gloves or not, like the, the defense was good. Yeah, like the, exactly. The, the, this is, yeah, the proof was in the pudding. Every number would suggest that the, the defense was good. And yeah, the ERA... But again, to the monkey's pod, there were razor blades in the pudding. It's like, we're going to give yeah. you some pudding. Yeah. Okay, is it chocolate? It can be if yeah, you'd the like. Yeah, was yeah. cursed. Yeah, exactly. Again, to do another <laughs> Simpsons analogy here. Yeah, it was great, great defense. Incredible. Yeah, they didn't give up a ton of runs in the twin series, but they scored one. So kudos I to... Mean, good for them. It's better oh, than none. God. It sucks for me, too, because I've been Mr. Defense mm. when it comes to baseball. Like, defense matters. People underrate defense. And they look at that 2015 Blue Jays team and the run they went on and all the 
the runs they scored out of the middle of the order, which is certainly a huge part of that. But you know why they went on the run the second half? is because they substituted out Jose Reyes for Troy Tulowitzki. And look at all the plays he was making that Reyes didn't, mm -hmm. which is true. But yeah, there's a point of diminishing returns. Like, yeah, that's good to a point, but you still, the name of the game is to score the runs. I like to picture you at the uh, like state of the fans address that I don't think they do anymore. Don't oh, they? I don't know. I feel like it. COVID again. I don't. Like, yeah. It was a great way to stop doing things, and if you didn't <laughs> want to do them, just I don't know what you're talking yeah. about. Never happened. Yeah. We didn't do that before. That's but true. I picture you there. Yeah. With the like NFL sign of a, a big D and a fence at it. Yeah. That is how much you love defense. I, you love it so I much. I also like James Click because yeah. Again. Okay, but people said this about Cito Gassens. Like, how good a manager was he really? Look at those teams in the early 90s, okay? He was physically there. Mm -hmm. Like, you, you can't argue with the fact that he didn't at least screw it up. And certainly there you talk Boy, to the, people could. You, you talk about some of the players around at that time uh, on those World Series championship teams, and they talk about the utility that he had on that team. James Click, physically in the chair, making the decisions when the mm -hmm. Houston Astros won their one untainted World Series a season ago, he's in your front office. I talked to John Morosi about this report a couple of days ago that he was in the running to be the next general manager of the Boston Red Sox. Not, not anymore. But not because the Red Sox said thanks, but no thanks, because he said thanks, but no thanks. Mm -hmm. So there's a couple of different reasons. He said it's family reasons. Yeah, that he's it, from the area. Yeah, okay. I, it's the Boston Red Sox, and it's also a GM role. And you don't I mean, know maybe how it's many. Cal Dubas, maybe it's hard in his family. I don't yeah, know. and you don't know as as much as yeah. You do have the resume, and you've won a World Series. You don't know how often these things are going to come around. So there's there's two things maybe at play here. One sure. is that yeah, that that Red Sox job maybe isn't all it's cracked up to be. This is a team that, that finished dead last in in that division. I was uh, quickly I was reading a little rundown on it fr from somebody in Boston about it, and uh, it's kind of telling how many internal candidates there are. There's yeah. obvious they're obviously kicking tires on external people, but even there's been several internal candidates that are like assistant GMs yeah. who've been like, I'm good. Well, I'm, I'm still going to stick around. Happy to help. Look at the last guy, Heim Bloom. They're yep. like, hey, trade Mookie Betts. That's your job mm -hmm. is to get under a certain number yep. as far as payroll. Sick. He did that. And, of course, the fans. And pay Devers. Great. We're, yeah. Yep. We're, we're not ecstatic about that decision. Um, rebuild the farm system, which he's done. Mm -hmm. uh, but that was obviously going to result in a bunch of losses. And they waved goodbye before he had a chance to, to be around for the climb back up the standings. Anyway, so that's part of it. Small. Know, underrated part of it Ooh. might be him watching what has happened and the discourse surrounding Ross Atkins. And while I, I did think that it wouldn't have been the worst idea to move off of Ross Atkins, there's a lot of what Mark Shapiro said in, in regards to the track record, and specifically this being the first season of serious disappointment. And they made the playoffs where a bunch of teams with high payrolls did not. Their seasons were such disasters that it was even below the Blue Jays winning 89 games and getting into the playoffs. But yeah, this is the first time that after the the rebuild, after, the, you know, they, they, they held on to the, the playoff team in 2016 and then 2017 kind of tried, and then rebuilt in 2018, 2019, made the playoffs in 2020, 2021, oh, a game out of the playoffs. But man, so many successes. 2022, they make the playoffs, don't win a game. 2023 was the first time where it was like, oh, well, yeah, the linear progression mm -hmm. isn't happening anymore. So I do understand, like, that's a, it is a pretty quick 
trigger finger on firing the GM, but it's trending in a direction that if things continue down this path, maybe James Click looks at the top mm. of the 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 pecking order here in the Blue Jays front office and says, if I just bite my time here, may, maybe maybe that seat could be mine. So in that scenario, do you, and obviously you're not saying this is going to happen, you just laid out the case for why you don't think it needs to, but... In that scenario, you envision Shapiro firing Atkins and and bumping Click up. Yeah. How I'm, do okay? So like, how is that sold? Because the so much of the problem, mm-hmm. and again, you know, Shapiro has tried to distance himself a little bit, but we, we're all humans. We all understand how this works. That mm-hmm. you know, he doesn't have to agree with everything, but he agrees with almost everything that that Atkins does. How would that be sold to a fan base? And I understand the first line is. World Series winning general manager. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the first part of it. But he was part of that decision. Unless unless Click were to come out in the presser and say, I would like to be on the record that I wanted Jose Barrios to not only yeah. stay in, but finish that game. We're getting pretty myopic with that no, one no, I, decision. I understand. But, but it is about selling it to the fan base. And there is going to be a large chunk of people that will say that is hive mind. Yeah, you, you think it'll be a tough sell if the Blue Jays, again, win 89 games, don't win a playoff game or don't get into the playoffs, underwhelmed mm-hmm. to, to some degree. I think it'd be a pretty easy sell to say, hey. Oh, no, I don't think it'd be a hard sell to fire the GM. Yeah. I think it would be a hard sell for it to be someone. It'd be different if they went out this. Let's say James Click had been biding his time and he's yeah. fishing or hunting or I don't know, whatever it is he Doesn't wants to like do. feel like that type of dude. He's You're like, right. Likes I, numbers. Okay, so like, cool. I don't know. He was like, I don't know, fiddling with his stratomatic, He's playing stratomatic baseball because <laughs> that's what he does. Okay, yeah. whatever it is. Yes. If he had been out in the wilderness and then as part of all of the repercussions or whatever he was brought in this offseason and then Mm -hmm. things went bad next year and then he was bumped up i think that's very different Mm -hmm. than a guy who was part of this machine for for an ongoing time but but for one year right like this is this was his first year with the blue jays i i think it's an easier sell and also was not part of the initial the like the thing is like ross and mark were a package deal 100 right is right out of the gate in 2016 those guys arrived together right yep. and and it is true like how different is it going to be philosophically for a guy that was brought in mm-hmm. and and knows how the mechanics work uh in James Click and also is like the head of baseball strategy right so right. yeah, I, yeah I, no I, way he hunted I, yeah yeah, yeah. There, there's probably a lot that happened this season that James Click has his fingerprints on but yeah to me that's an easy sell to a fan base if if they disappoint again that, uh, hey, this guy, while he's been here for a year, or I guess at that point it would be two years, um, he has this outside perspective. And the year before that, he won a World Series with a different organization. Yeah, I, I'm i not saying they couldn't sell it. I think it would be it'd be a lot more palatable if it was somebody with uh, an, uh, like just the exact same resume who didn't have the last couple of years on them. The third possibility is also that James Click looks at what's being built here in Toronto and is like, you know, okay, this is actually a pretty good place to be. Mm-hmm. Like this, totally plausible. This, this could bounce back in a big way. Like you look at the the range of outcomes. We had a very like less than five percent outcome this season because there were some weird home road splits, and Vlad's not going to be as bad next year, yep. and Dalton Varsho's not going to be as bad offensively, and yada yada yada. I mean, I, they need a third baseman and a new second baseman probably, and yeah, new center or left fielder because Dalton Varsho's going to be. But anyways, but he looks at what's being built here and. The fact that they already have a ready-made rotation mm-hmm. going into next season says, where else am I going to get that? Yeah, and I, I can see that as a as a as a way of looking at it of not 
biding his time of maybe I get the bump up here, but biding his time of maybe things look much better from this entire front office's perspective and I'm not beholden to this one job opportunity that maybe I do or do not want to have, right? Not not just about potentially getting bumped up here, but mm-hmm. to your point, it's like if that was the worst possible version of the Blue Jays season that they just had, probably going to have a better one next year. Everyone comes out looking more rose-colored. He has potentially other options available, not just, and and again, it's possible he wants to stay here, but generally speaking, if, you know, you get a chance, it's weird because he just turned down one, but if you get a chance to go back to the big chair, you take it. Or maybe he he's like, why would I leave Toronto before Taylor Swift arrives? Like, I got to at least be here. Great point. By the time she makes her, do we think? Do we think a guy who loves? We, we think he's a Swifty. You think numbers? I mean, I don't know. Isn't the the majority of planet Earth Swifties now? Okay, I feel like it's she's like no. now number one at the box office no as well, right? Yeah, I'm not saying in this room okay. necessarily. Right. Just saying. Okay, don't lump me in there, buddy. You also don't want to be on record as being anti-Taylor Swift. I'm not. I'm well, hold on. I'm no more anti her than I am everything else in my world. Okay. Like that, <laughs> that I just have a That's baseline fair. of anti. Yeah. You don't like things. Quick little update. We were talking about the guy in the wet pit. Yeah. Uh, it was a pit full of sewage and he had to redo the oh. plumbing. Uh, and now he's working in a crawl space and oh. it's hotter than a sauna. So okay. shout out to that Good. guy. Good luck. <laughs> that guy. <laughs> so he's. Yeah, that guy was on the road at the same time we were, and guess what? He doesn't get to do. Sit here sipping coffee, talking about T-Swift. Yeah, Yeah. okay. Shout out to that guy, Pit Guy. Pit Guy. Thanks for listening, Pit Guy. All right, when we come back, uh, we got a Pit Boss. That's what his boys call him. Hey, Pit Boss, how's it going? That's what I'm going to call him. Uh, we got a series in the American League Championship Series. Uh, it turns out, yeah, the, the team that just won the World Series wasn't going to go quietly into the good night. Plus, boy, Sens get Josh Norris back, and this could be finally the, the season they compete for a playoff spot in the Atlantic Division. That and a whole lot more next. The Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Gipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan Morning Show Sports at 590. The fan, Ben has Frank Gunning. Yeah, and thank you, Rob Manfred. For the pitch clock. Oh, yeah, he did good job by him. Oh, I told you. No, Listen. no, it just that is. Come on, don't act like that is not a jarring thing to hear at any time of day, let alone six forty-three, soon to be forty-four. Thank you, Rob Manfred. Can oh. I do? Can I do my take safe space here? Yeah, sure, anytime, bud. Rob Manfred, like you. I already hate it. <laughs> oh, I'm not supposed criminally- to criminally. Underrated oh and the like God. hunk of metal thing that gets hung around his neck was like not as bad as people make it out to be. He was literally like, Yeah, it's like, what do you want me to do? Take the trophy back. It is just physically a piece of metal. And the the idea of winning the World Series supersedes a material trophy. That's that was the point. It wasn't like, ah, it's just a stupid piece of metal. D- 
I, I forget how take safe space works. Am I allowed to yell at you or I just let you No, go? that's why it's a okay, take. No, it's I a just, safe I, I, that's space. That's what I thought. I just, I wasn't sure if it was also a safe space for me to go. I hate that take, but, yeah. uh, but I'm not. Okay. I, I can just end it. I, I can end the safe that. space. No, that's, hey, that's, that is fine. Like I am very here for it. I love every time you, you and Bunk bring this up. So I'm very, very here for it. I just, I just wanted to make sure the rules. Yeah. That's all. I wanted to make sure I was playing along right. That's all. <laughs> yeah. So Rob Manfred, yeah, it's not not so bad. Uh, take um, safe space that I do not need. Gary Bettman, exactly as bad as everyone says. There you go. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't have one on Gary Bettman. So yeah, you're uh, perfectly well within your rights to, to talk about that. Um, I I like you know baseball gets this label of uh being not progressive, not doing things, not looking ahead enough. But hmm. I do think like that's that's unfair as well. And it, that applies to the broadcast. Like, they they were interviewing players in the middle of games during the regular season. Like, mm-hmm. guys are playing shortstop. They're like, hey, how's it? Whoa, what are you expecting here on this? And I was like, oh, this is mind-blowing. It's very I jarring. I, and there was a couple of cool moments yep. where it was like, I hold make on. This yeah, play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's cool. Um, in the playoffs, they're interviewing players now in the dugout mm-hmm. during games, during playoff games and managers, like not just taping them in between mm-hmm. innings, like yeah. in the middle of the inning, which kind of speaks to like, I guess how the metal they do. Yeah. <laughs> you were probably going to put it a nicer way, <laughs> but no, that's, that's true. true. But the other, there, there's a thing that I like a lot it's and like, want more like, of. Uh, hey, just watch the stove for a second. I got to go <laughs> do this interview. No, it's a little more important than that. But. Yeah. Uh, the the thing the innovation that I love the most though, is this ump camera angle. I knew you were gonna say this. On on no no I wouldn't want it on every pitch. Right? Do you like it live? Uh that it's an interesting I'm question. I'm hard out. I'm hard out when it's live. But I would like the chance to go back <laughs> and and view it whenever I please. Like this is we live in a world where everything's at our fingertips. I can get whatever I want, and what I want is that angle when I want it. Mm. So if I see a, an incredible movement on a breaking ball mm-hmm. or somebody turn on a 101 on the inside corner, I'm like, holy cow, what did that look like from mm-hmm. the hitter's perspective? I want to be able to do that. Like, is that so difficult? Why can't we do that starting tomorrow? And why can't we have umpires wearing this camera all the time? Like, I understand, like, some uh, putting equipment on yeah, a catcher's yeah, yeah. helmet sure. or, you know. They're actually playing the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, like, the umpires, again, that's what the money's for. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, put, I don't care if it's 50 pounds on yeah. your head. <laughs> well, Wear the camera. And the other thing is, is that, you know, I'm sure they would say, oh, it's a, you know, it's so heavy. It affects our, but guess what? You're not doing the best of jobs at any given time calling the balls and strikes as mm-hmm. is. So if it's a little one way or another because of that, I'm here for it. The NHL has done stuff like this. I mean, when the first, like when the Rogers deal first launched, the ref cam, yeah. all of this stuff. No, that's ref's jobs. Ref yes. umpire's job yeah. should be cameramen. You know what? Do you know what I think of? And I feel like this is one of the all-time 21st century products that we look back on and go, oh, my God, I can't believe people wanted that or thought they did. But do you remember Google Glass? Yeah. (laughs) I want to have a pair of Google Glasses while watching a game so I can have ump cam like on my eye. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, just yeah. have it there. So I'm still watching the game. I still get it. But it almost feels like I'm getting buzzed with 101. It'd be like going to, like, one of those, like, VFX movies where you're getting, like, yeah. oh, it's misty. Oh, look yeah. at the mist in the theater. You can smell something or whatever. Yeah. That is honestly what I want. Bring back Google Glass strictly for ump cam. This is the only utility I could ever imagine I... it for. But how good would that be? You get to sit there, you're yeah. watching... 
even better. We got rid of the glasses. It's just Google monocle, and you yeah. have it on the one eye, and then you have your other eye tuned on the game as is. My one, I did love it as well. My one memory of Google Glass was that uh, a fella's uh, bachelor party in Montreal, and we were at a gentleman's establishment, mm. and one of the the dancers was. Wearing Google Glass, I no. was like, "This is come like on. not." Yeah, come I on. thought I for sure Wait, thought so we're all being videotaped. I this was is like say, probably not. A I for great... sure thought the way this was gonna go was a butt of yours no, being like, yeah. "Hey, don't worry. There's I, no way they'll yeah, know it's yeah. a Google Glass." That it's like would have had yeah. his legs broken. Yeah, well, it's also like the it's the stepbrothers. Like the best thing is they're not that noticeable <laughs> on your face. No, they are. Uh, yeah. Hopefully that video doesn't exist somewhere. Uh, anyways. Uh, you slack jawed doing Lord knows what. Yeah. Well, let's hope. My, my baseball great, yeah. take What? You have a great something? No, no, no. I'll okay. leave it. It's fine. Uh, okay. It's okay. <laughs> my, my baseball takeaway is that, yeah, like, thank goodness this is a series. We've, we've seen too many sweeps and blowouts mm. and non-competitive series. We've seen some great moments. For sure. Certainly, 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 certainly. And some great games and some great finishes. And game two, Phillies. Uh, Braves kind of stands above them all. This has the potential to be a great series considering mm-hmm. the history between these two teams, considering their in-state rivals, considering their division rivals, and thank goodness we've got that. But also, you know who's like criminally underrated during this entire Astros run? I mentioned Jose Altuve mm-hmm. is second all-time in, in postseason home run history. That he's not underrated. No, like people no, properly th- think about him as a pretty somehow even with the uh again, because of his tattoo, definitely nothing else. The jersey thing, he is still underrated somehow. Yeah, it's it's true. Or, sorry, he... not sorry, properly rated, not underrated. Well, sorry. I, no, I think he is kind of underrated because like he's undersized, like to an immense degree. That like the the guy who's second in major league baseball postseason home run history is five foot like one. It is, it is imp- having, again, having height stood, as my wife. Having stood beside him, it is incredibly impossible to state how diminutive he is. He is. So he's properly rated. I think uh, Alex Bregman, yeah, yeah, properly sure. rated, and George Springer when he was mm-hmm. there. The, yeah. All those guys were properly rated. And I even think, like, the starting pitchers have been properly rated because, yep. yeah, you, you go through sure. the, the performances they got a season ago was all on the strength of starting pitching on starting pitching on starting pitching. And I think... People know that Ryan Presley mm-hmm. is good and, and a really good closer, but even I was a little startled to see that going into that save situation yesterday, he was 13 for 13 Nails. in save opportunities in his postseason career. He's never blown a single save. Nuts. Now 14 of 14 after walking the leadoff man yesterday and didn't allow the, the tying run to come to the plate. Like, that's... I was going to say that's Mariano Rivera stuff, but no, Mariano Rivera, like, blue saves mm-hmm. in the yeah. postseason. and Aster cheater. And it's, it's yeah, the, his career is not finished, and it's hard to imagine that he's going to go his entire postseason career with an unblemished postseason record. But that is, we don't talk about that enough, that Ryan Presley, when it comes to the postseason, is one of the most nails relievers in the history of the game. Yeah, and it's really it's really interesting because that's kind of all we ever talk about at this time of the year yeah. is having Who's high clutch? leverage clutch. No, you're right. The clutch part of it, but also specifically position-wise. I mean, maybe it's because it's the the pendulum swinging and it was the thing that was missing last year and was such a strength this year, but it's all we ever talk about is having a nails pen at this time of year. Like, yes, we talk about individual hitters who go on runs. We've talked about it with that Phillies team and starting rotations matter, all that stuff. 
But that has such been such a focus. Again, going back to the Andrew Miller Guardians that didn't win, but we still give them credit for changing the game. Like it is such an important thing. And you're right, it doesn't get enough credit. And I think, you know, I don't know, maybe it just sticks out in my mind because of the Toronto connection or it became the big story. But I wonder how much part of that is like when they did win the last time, the I forget who it was, but the one front office guy was screaming around the clubhouse oh like, God. thank God we got Osuna, baby. Oh, yeah. So I think a lot of people, obviously, they don't think of him as the, the closer there now, but I do think a lot of people, specifically in this market, they kind of go back there. They don't think of this run that Presley has had. 14 of 14 in the postseason is otherworldly stuff. Um, but yeah, they're they're back in it. Not a surprise. Again, if you were listening to the Wake and Rake yesterday, that Max Scherzer might struggle in we're his return so to smart. action. Yeah, it's very smart. Very, very smart. Might have been uh, obvious. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Again, last time he pitched a not real game, but a sim game, he was hungover. Mm-hmm. And the time before that, it was the middle of September. That's right, September 12th. Um, but yeah, he's he's got a pretty good postseason track record for as sure. well. Uh, pitching the World Series for the Nationals. Sick eyes. And yeah, interesting guys, I would say. Um, before we take the break, Sens pick up a big victory mm-hmm. over the Caps yesterday. Josh Norris returns and scores a couple times. Um, he's an important piece to that Sens team. How about this, though? Alex Ovechkin now held without a shot on goal in consecutive games for the first time in his entire career. That's obviously a Capitals team that is going through it as far as rebuild. Good thing they paid Tom Wilson. Uh, but that is that's jarring. Yeah, I don't I don't necessarily want to see that happen to to Alex Ovechkin. No, uh, David Amber definitely also doesn't want to see that. Uh, yes. Former Leaf assistant, current Washington Capitals head coach Spencer Carberry. What does he think he was signing up for? <laughs> definitely not that. I saw him having some comments after they got drubbed that last night. It's uh, look, we we see it all the time with guys fall off a cliff. I am not saying that's what happened mm. to Ovechkin. I'm not going to pretend to have watched super closely all the Caps games this year, but. Father time, undefeated, yada, yada, yada. He can lose a step and score 20 in his sleep for sure. But man, that is, uh, it's jarring to see the the start he's got off to for sure. Yeah, it's one thing not to score. And he went through a similar scoring slump to Mm -hmm. start last season, but no shots on goal. Nuts. uh, In in two consecutive games is, is quite a thing. All right. When we come back, Maple Leafs, Panthers, the rematch. Sort of, kind of. Somehow not on Leafs TV. <laughs> Does be a Thursday oh, night, Leafs oh, Panthers. Buddy. This was the game. You're you're not wrong. Penny is quaking in his boots. <laughs> um, Austin Matthews, as we all, you know, inferred, figured, was, was going through it physically last year. Elliot Friedman, in his most recent 32 Thoughts, has even more insight into what happened to Austin Matthews last year and what could happen to Nick Robertson this year, that more coming up next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.